Good morning, everyone. My friends, um, in my attempt, in homilies, I always try to present to you with clarity the scriptures. And um, last week, the scriptures were very difficult. This week, they are also. The, um, there's a very old question being asked that's still asked to this day, but it's very ancient, how many people are going to be saved? And Jesus doesn't really give a precise answer. He redirects it. And... Um, our biblical scholars uh, agree uh, about what Jesus is doing. And um, he, the teaching of the kingdom of God um, is very central to Jesus Christ and everything that he said and did. And the kingdom is equivalent to the reign of God. So uh, it's important for you to begin to learn uh, the Bible talk, how uh, things are spoken and uh, what they mean. And um, when... Uh, when the kingdom, is said, it's talking about the very reign of God, um, and that includes God's rules, uh, his peace, his justice, uh, and not just somewhere out in the universe somewhere. When we talk about the kingdom of God and the reign of God, he is, Jesus is making sure you understand it is in your life, it is in your hearts. Um, and for, uh, for many, it is the same as saying salvation, the word salvation. Uh, to bring salvation to the people was to prepare them for and place them in the kingdom of God, or the reign of God. My friends, over the many generations, however, salvation has often been restricted to mean just one piece of that only. Uh, that is, not going to Gehenna. I don't want to use the H word because we have children. <laughs> so Jesus used Gehenna. Uh, and uh, uh, the question, Lord, will only a few people be saved? Actually, there's another way of understanding. It actually means, are they few who will enter into the kingdom? What you need to know is Jesus is talking to a Jewish person. We're not told. He just, we're told this time in the gospel, someone. Usually it says, the man, a man. But this time it's someone. Someone has questioned uh, Jesus. And the person asking the question uh, is a Jew. Uh, and remember, the Jews had no concept of heaven as we Christians understand it. Uh, so, uh, nor would the person equate the kingdom with what we call heaven. And this is important for you to understand in this gospel. The Jewish person who's um, inquiring in the gospel in his historical or her historical <laughs> and religious context was asking the Lord something different from what you're understanding. The person who's talking to Jesus is asking about reconciliation with God in the present time and uh, about membership in the soon-to-be-restored kingdom of David. This is what the person is really asking. Jesus, this person is asking Jesus about this, and Jesus is talking about that. <laughs> and um, my friends, uh, the person's asking because they want, uh, they're waiting. Remember, the Messiah was going to restore the kingdom of David. So this is what the person, he sees Jesus as a rabbi and someone who's probably great. So he, he's asking about this. And uh, he wants to be ensured that uh, that he will uh, be okay in the dreaded time of the day of the Lord. In the Old Testament, the day of the Lord is 
the condemnation, the judgment that is coming. Uh, and uh, our Lord's response uh, absolutely startled the person talking to him. Jesus says to him, strive, or her, <laughs> strive to enter through the narrow gate. And the person uh, certainly would have asked himself, why does, should I be worried about that? Remember, the question is, he didn't say, am I going to be getting in the gate? He's saying, are those other people coming in? <laughs> are they going to get in? And Jesus is saying, um, you know, strive to enter through the narrow gate. And the man would have thought to himself, or the woman, uh, that's odd. Why should I be concerned about that? Because he considers himself to be of the chosen people. He considers himself to be a descendant of Abraham. And a child of the promises made to Abraham. And thus he can, or she can, because we're not told if it's a man or woman who Jesus is talking to. They can enter into the kingdom simply because of their pedigree. Now we're getting to what Jesus is after. It is of this man's mentality that Jesus gives a warning to him and that a warning applies to each one of us also. Jesus says to him, many will attempt to enter and not be strong enough. It will do them no good, in other words, to invoke their ancestry or to protest that we ate and drank in the Lord's presence. And that he taught on my very street. He walked down my very street. And because of that, I know who he is. Meaning, I recognize him when he's walking around. My friends, what Jesus is putting forth for all of that. The only person entering into the kingdom, not David. Jesus is talking about heaven. Are the ones who will abide by the terms set down by John the Baptist. You guys were waiting for me to say Jesus, weren't you? <laughs> John the Baptist heralded the kingdom. You remember what John the Baptist said? That's why it's important. Yes, we got to do everything Jesus says. He's the king and savior. But um, the, ground, the ground rules are set by John. Remember what he said? What did we say during Lent? Repent and believe in the gospel. Here's the condition. Repent, accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that means you must have faith in the only Son of God. Make commitment to living out a holy life, a life of love and peace and justice according to the kingdom. Not according to our ways, not according to what some government may tell you, but to what God has set forth. Jesus goes further, though, by stating that people will come from the east and the west and the south, and they will find a place in the kingdom. I would have loved to seen the face of the person talking to Jesus when he said that. <laughs> it would have been understood to mean that the hated Gentiles were going to get into the kingdom. That's not possible. Oh. My friends, it is faith in Jesus Christ and acceptance of his words and teachings that will win them their place. 
I use that term because that's a kind of a Bible thing that when they're placed. Our first reading was getting at that too, if you didn't pick up on it. God said, people will come from all over the face of the earth. Then they will recognize my glory. They will know me. And Jesus is saying the same thing. He's saying, people, everyone else in the world besides the Jews, because they will have accepted Jesus Christ and his teachings. In this context, the first that Jesus refers to and the last, the first are the Jews, and the last are the Gentiles, uh, the chosen people. Uh, are the first. That is who Jesus came to. They have had the word of God. And this is what Jesus is talking to. The last ones in the person's mind are the pagans. The Jews are the first since the gospel was first preached to them. They are, uh, for lack of a better word, the natural heirs of the kingdom. You can go to Matthew eight twelve and see what Matthew has to say about that. Yet, as Jesus says in the gospel, there will be wailing and grinding of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets of the kingdom of God, but you yourself will be on the outside. Now he's talking directly to the person who's questioning him. The Gentiles, the last, will take your place, is what Jesus is saying. So that brings the question to you and I. My friends, being known as a Christian just in name is not these days a guarantee that you will get into the kingdom of heaven. No response from you. Nothing. I mean, your faces are blank. Poker faces, what they used to call in the casinos. Because there are many nominal Christians, almost maybe as many as there are committed faithful Christians, and my friends, and some of the most scandalous people of our time call themselves baptized Christians. Relying solely on the faith and the sufferings of our Catholic and Protestant forebearers guarantees nothing. This is what Jesus is saying to the person questioning him. This is what I'm interpreting for you now. Because the salvation of each one of us is a matter of our faith and not of our ancestors' faith. But of your own personal acceptance and commitment to Jesus Christ, to his gospel, and reliance upon him and his grace. In the end, the image of the narrow gate being difficult will not be so for the one who repents, for the one who accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and as the only begotten Son of God accepts his grace to truly love the Lord God and others, as Jesus said, and by walking humbly with God. That comes from Micah. For such a person, the gate, though narrow, is wide open and free, and the angels will be, come on in, come on in. My friends, here is the warning of Jesus. Just because you claim to be my follower does not mean you are. He wants proof of it by the way you live your life every day. 
And if you think yourself first before all others getting into the kingdom, <laughs> you are likely to be, in the terms of the kingdom and the eyes of God, the last one to get in. <laughs> because that is a very prideful, boastful, boastful thing. You always hear me tell people, <laughs> pray for me because I'm trying to get into the kingdom. And if I can just get past the first door, I will be happy. I'll be more than happy to be the gatekeeper saying hello to everybody. Hi, come on in. <laughs> Father, are you coming? No, as far as I go <laughs> for a while. <laughs> At least I'll be inside. You also heard me refer to myself as the court jester. I'll be the Lord's clown. But where's the court jester in history? Right next to the king. <laughs> so that's a little bit boastful and prideful too of me. My friends, this is important. These scriptures, they're ancient and they're old. I need you to understand how words are interpreted, how it was. I wanted you to have a clear understanding what the man was talking about and what Jesus was talking about and how this applies to you today. Because you say, oh, that was 2,000 years ago. It's today. The Lord says that to claim a right to enter through the door because we ate and drank with him, because we bear his name, Christian, because we brought our body into his church and we've heard his words will not be enough. People can say that they were in the church and did this and that and the other. <laughs> but the question is whether did all of that impact your life and change your life? Does Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior change your life? Does it impact it? If it does not, the Lord is going to say something absolutely terrible. We heard in the scriptures, I don't know you. For me as priest, that is one of the most awful things that I could hear from Jesus is to hear him say, I don't know who you are. It's far too easy to let religion be nothing more than a veneer on one's life. The issue is whether you let his grace help you. Will you let his church help you? He put it for you. There is a church for you so that you do not do this on your own, that you do not walk alone. Immerse yourself in the life of the church. Too easy it is to allow things and even devotion. They allow them as substitutes for true discipleship. One can be in ministries of all sorts and all kinds, but never really let the word of God penetrate deep inside of their hearts so that it will change them. Today's gospel gives each one of us much to think about. And my friends, God speaks to each one of you, each one of you, all the time. And if you say he doesn't, then you are mistaken. You are not listening. You are ignoring him. He speaks to each one of you. Salvation is not a matter of hearing God's word alone. It is about following it and applying it in your life in every way. And my friends, this homily applies to your pastor as it does to every Christian. It will not be enough to say that I am a priest of Jesus Christ. Yes, I have Mother Mary. She is the mother of the high priest, Jesus Christ, and she has a special affection for priests. <laughs> But if I don't convert and mend my life, she will be sad and say, well, 
I've prayed for you. So everything I tell you applies to me also. So we need to stay busy. And you've never heard me. I've been with you five years now. You've never heard me tell you you need to be perfect. Because it is not possible. So for all of you people with big egos, <laughs> write this down. You're not going to be perfect. And it's a losing battle to try. You can be holy because we've seen others be holy before us. All of the, all of the great men and women of the church. And in that holiness, the things you do will be perfected. 